0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an
1: excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got right on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Horror. Alive. <laughs> it's alive. Groovy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh, The Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. Oh, man. And today we are taking a look at the 2006 remake of The Hills Have Eyes.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, this is Alex Aja's third feature. Um, it's a follow-up to Furia and a follow-up to
1: High Tension. Yeah so we've been seeing this guy's work quite a bit and he Mm -hmm. has been kind of prolific in the early 2000s for just really gruesome fare for for almost everything that we've been looking at and uh, this is no exception. Uh, The Hills Have Eyes remake is a really (laughs) tough watch sometimes. Yeah it's absolutely brutal. Well I mean
0: if you look at it it was based on a Wes Craven film from 1977, and that was his first one. And it's extremely gritty, very brutal, very much much a grindhouse film. Then in 84, Wes Craven follows it up with a sequel, The Hills Have Eyes Part Two. Actually, taking a few of those characters who survived and bringing them into the sequel, and some mutants who survive and bringing them into the sequel. It's not very good. It's definitely a Less, uh, lesser quality than, than the first one. That is also the way that this version of the new Hills Have Eyes works, for me at least. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very good. It has a very disappointing sequel that came out in 2007. And they both happen to be written, at least the Hills Have Eyes Part 2, the one in 2007, was written by Wes Craven and his son, Jonathan Craven. Absolutely atrocious. So, it almost seems like when you do something like The Hills Have Eyes, you can get one out of it. Trying to follow it up with a sequel doesn't seem to work so well. And it's the same with this. This one is a brutal, brutal retelling, brutal reimagination of the story of this family going into a New Mexico desert where they did the nuclear bomb testing, and Mm -hmm. they come across radioactive mutants these people who have just been around this for so long and lived out in this testing zone and just mutated due to all of the the government um military
1: testing all that yeah and the and the radiation Mm -hmm. and and all of that stuff it's uh it's pretty it's pretty crazy this this types of uh (laughs) this types of stuff um but like I i think probably the most the standout Part of this movie or the, like the standout sort of feature and this is obvious, pretty much style um is this very early 2000s uh style that's kind of been uh that, that you can see throughout a couple of films kind of like the descent uh as well as maybe the saw movies it's that grainy gritty uh overly dark not really like lordy, but like very dirty grimy it, type it was, of horror film. it's part of the grainy gritty remakes there
0: was Texas yes. Chainsaw Massacre started that and I think, 2003, I think, is when Platinum Dunes mm-hmm. did that. Then they did Texas Chainsaw Did we have Chainsaw the Halloween before.
1: remake around this time as well?
0: 2007 was the Rob Zombie yeah. Halloween Ma- Yeah. so it was right at this time, uh, because this was 2006. Yeah. You had remakes of, let's see, Amityville Horror came out, and they did a darker version. Oh, boy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm there were uh, so it, it's this weird trend that we're seeing around this yeah. early time where the we're hitcher. like okay well let's like rehash these old cl- oh yeah they redid the hitcher mm-hmm. oh my god and then everything
0: they had to make friday the 13th grittier and darker they tried to make nightmare on elm street grittier and darker it only worked for texas chainsaw and this <clears throat> mainly due to the fact that You're starting with gritty movies to begin with, you know.
1: Yeah, and and it seems like this being part of the kind of the pantheon of this era of like early two thousands remakes of horror films that were dark, gritty, edgy. uh, What makes this stand out to you as being better or like one of the you know higher tier ones of these? Because like we're deep in the Saw era at this point. We have a lot of uh, things that are trying to be you know dark and gritty, but not really kind of rose up to pretty much to greatness. What made this like more or like at least good in your opinion?
0: Uh, It's a, it's a combination of a few things. It is absolutely brutal in its special effects work and its practical effects. Greg Nicotero worked on this. He actually played one of the uh, mutants as well. He played cyst to the one who had the neck brace and was moving around with that and the knee brace that you see moving through the, uh, bombed out town. So, yeah. you have that. You have a lot of, uh, stunt guys. I think there are more stunt guys playing, uh, the mutants in this. You're using a combination of practical effects and digital technology to blend things together. You also have really great art direction. So, this, I,
1: this isn't just. I was. I was waiting for you to say. Yeah, it. I this was waiting for you just, to
0: mention this. An Alex Aja thing. This is a Gregory Lavasseur production as well. Mm-hmm. When they work together, what they put out is is great. They've worked
1: on uh, it's so mm-hmm. it it's so very striking because it doesn't look like a lot of because I've seen a lot of these remakes from the early two thousands and they yeah. more or less look bland in their. Like Correct. style yes. quote unquote like the, their vibe, their art direction mm-hmm. but this it's like it's very much like I, i'm I'm reminiscent of like the fallout games in a weird way absolutely like the uh, it's this this uh, like kind of twisted Americana kind of thing mm-hmm. it's it, it's great it's so it's so distinct and it already like you're on board for something like this because it has its own style. Uh, I was not expecting it to have its uh, like a, an art direction and a vision like this because I was like, "Ah, oh, this is just another one of those."
0: Right. This is very reminiscent of the early work of Jean-Pierre Jeunet and Marc Caro when they were making Delicatessen and City Lost Children. Now, granted, they only mm-hmm. worked on a few films together. Also, French filmmakers. So are Aja and Lavasseur. So mm-hmm. uh, when when they're working together, it, it's it's. You, you can see in Aja's first few films, they're great. Now, I haven't seen Furia, but I've heard good things, and he co-wrote he, that with Aja, and then he became the art director on High Tension and The Hills Have Eyes. It's very similar in its style. Those, to me, are the best-looking Alex Aja films that I have seen. I haven't seen Crawl yet, but as I've seen Horns, Piranha 3D, and Mirrors, I did not like, <laughs> I did not like any of those. I did not like Mirrors, I thought Piranha 3D was atrocious, and Horns was very disappointing, especially after reading the Joe Hill novel. I have not seen the Nine Life of Louis Drax, or or Louis Drax, but I don't... It doesn't look like something that jumps out at me and makes me want to go to it right away, especially in its style. It's something about having these guys together that is very special in the same way uh, as Junet and... Caro, and to me, when they split, the quality dipped. Um, <clears throat> yeah. When you look at what the art director did after this, he he directed the Pyramid in 2014. It is awful. It is absolutely atrocious <laughs> CG work. It is a poorly made film. It does not work. And Mark Caro made a movie as well, and that kind of was almost the same. There's a lot of parallels in here of history repeating itself in filmmaking. Which I do find very fascinating.
1: It is. Because when you you talk about the talent that's coming to make this movie. Yes. It it seems to be just like lightning in a bottle. Where like you don't know how they captured it. But like they kind of only had this like one in the tank. And they couldn't really seem to get it together for anything else.
0: Well you have a. It's a stellar cast. It's an absolutely. It's great. Absolutely amazing cast that you're working with on this. You have Ted Levine. People know Ted Levine from uh, Silence of the Lambs as Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you have Kathleen Quinlan, who has been in a ton of stuff over the years. So she's a quality actress. She's the mom. Uh, Vanessa Shaw, you may not know her by name, but you've seen her in a ton of stuff. She's been in a, a ton yeah, of she's, movies. Yeah, she is
1: recognizable for sure.
0: Aaron Stanford, who plays Doug, her husband he was pyro in the x-men series the original x2 and x3 oh wow yeah 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 Yeah, which is very surprising because this is around that time and you see him that beard they basically made him look like alex aja they were they said all right this is the look we want you to kind of look like him so they got they made his his look very that 1970s type look So it almost, it pays homage to
1: the director, but it pays homage to the time period of the original. Uh, Yeah, because I, I, again, like the moment that I noticed uh, this art direction and style, I I bring it back to the Fallout games, but also it also feels like it's in the 70s. Absolutely. Like this this movie is presenting itself as if it were cut right out of that era but maybe just a little glossier a little a little you know with a bit of a finer sheen well
0: we talk about cell phones and things like that but the cell phones are Mm -hmm. essentially useless in this so
1: you know exactly you could really put it at a different time period and it's really like the only excuse of just like being like well we're isolated cell phones don't work yeah throw those away for the rest of the movie Yeah, pretty much uh and like we kind of get tired of that because that's such an old reliable thing Mm -hmm. to to have in a horror movie but uh like because of the radiation because of all that stuff like it works like there's there's if you make a good enough conceit for it you'll 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 suspend your disbelief for anything and for the sort of journey that we're taking on here it's super super fun i i want to talk about the effects though because uh they're like it's it's so subtle what they do because it I, I I wanted to think that this was like ninety percent practical and like maybe ten percent digital. Like there's only a couple of things that I was just like, well oh, okay. But I, it's so, it, it's such a it's such a well crafted execution of makeup effects and uh, special effects. I think the makeup is astounding. It like the designs of these characters, super good. Uh, with the with the gash through the mouth. I right. like just that open, like sort of teeth. It was. It looks so good. Yeah, yeah. That on, sort on, of
0: glossy face on Lizard with the hair lip, especially. It's, it. They went. They yeah. went very deep with it uh, on Robert Joy, with that uh, and how it looks. And I think his performance in it as, as Lizard is is awesome. Uh, Laura Ortiz from Holliston, fame and working uh, a lot on. I think she was in Victor Crowley, but she works a lot with uh, Adam Green and joe lynch she mm-hmm. plays ruby in this now ruby's makeup you think would be makeup but it was actually digital digital effects and cg of stretching the face and post-production
1: yeah that's and that's to me that's insane because that looked mm-hmm. so good yeah, yeah actually yeah. like i was i i did not realize that that was fake right un, until uh until you just said that because it looked like they had tried to do that practically um mm-hmm. uh, it's super super good
0: well, and that's the thing about it. You're focusing on a character who's wearing a hoodie for most of the time. It's subtle. You can do that, and then you can focus the proper effects on Michael Bailey Smith playing Pluto, which he's the large um, mutant with the axe running around mm-hmm. who who's with lizard. Which, oh for- my god!
1: That that. Th- that scene where he's, like, chasing him through the house is just so visceral and so good because, like, it's the amazing. cuts are perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it- it- even because the, connect- the energy of, like, okay, you gotta coordinate, like, this chase slash tussle, and like, they're just flying throughout the house when, like, he's, like, kind of jumping through like, tables and stuff and sure. making sure that he's getting hit-, hit by that. It's such a good choreographed scene, because he's gotta duck through all these things in the house when the dog comes in and attacks him. Mm-hmm. He, like, ducks into the bathroom and then just goes into this it's such a complicated sequence there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff
0: going on in it but what i what i find to be really amazing that elevates this film to a different level is that you think pluto would be mindless and just swing the axe without thinking twice but when doug pulls out this like screwdriver i think and holds it up as a weapon to defend himself when he's about to get hit with a giant axe and split in two, Pluto has a moment where he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny that this yeah. guy who's been beaten so horribly thinks he can, def- he can fight back with a screwdriver. And I really, really love that moment because it makes me believe that the mutants are real. It makes me believe that they are real characters. It makes me believe that they have had a life before this movie has started, and the ones who survive mm-hmm. continue to have one afterwards. It feels, exactly. the world feels lived in. You have some characters who don't die off. Big Mama, we don't know what's happened to her. We know she knocks out Doug at one point, but we never see her again. Uh, we know mm-hmm. Big yeah exactly Big Brain gets well. He gets eaten by by Beast. Which I also love that they do give the dog focus how they did in the original. Now, in the original, I think the dog had, uh, Beast had his own POV for part of it, I, I'm, I, as if I remember correctly. And it almost, they, mm-hmm. they give him his own uh, kill moments to get revenge uh, for the, you know, the murder of Beauty early in the film. Yeah. And the same thing happens here, and it's amazing. You see him go
1: after Goggle and just tear him apart right off mm-hmm. the oh, bat yeah no it's right and it, and, it, and it, even with that i'm when it gets to the nitty-gritty and like all of these frantic scenes right. of like <clears throat> desperation weirdly enough i'm reminded of uh the raid yes because it's it's that it's got that like it's got that frantic kinetic energy that's just like it keeps going and it's so fluid with how like it moves from scene to scene like i i'm more like i'm still fascinated by that uh that chase scene or that uh scene with the axe uh wielding mutant because that
0: was new in this film this was something that didn't exist in the beginning i think it's essential because it's a final it's almost leading to that final confrontation had we exactly it's
1: just before it
0: right had we not had this well it's a transformation scene is what it is it's it's taking doug from being this guy swept up in technology just hating what he's doing and he has to step Mm -hmm. up and be a man in this moment He has to, his wife has been shot in the head, she's gone, his daughter has been stolen away. He doesn't know what's going to happen, he knows what's already happened to everybody back at the RV. So, this is his, this is his do or die moment. You know, this is his hero moment, and right away, he gets knocked out and put into this refrigerator, and you just see body parts in there, this freezer, and he, he gets out, and it is... I mean, the whole thing is just, it's its horrifying. It's this moment of, oh, man, mm-hmm. this is my one moment. He he runs into Big Brain. They have their little thing. And then Pluto, mm-hmm. just out of nowhere. And he thinks he escapes at one point. He puts the, I think, the tub or something up against the door. And then Pluto just bursts through the wall.
1: It's so good, man. It's crazy. And there was that other time when, like, it, the that scene where, like, he, like, tackles him through the wall yeah he gets tackled through the wall and then still from that gets picked up thrown by his his leg through a window i'm like this is like the raid this is just like it keeps going and going and upping the ante for something that like i thought would have just been ended by now and it's it's so good it's so visceral like you understand uh where a lot of this like tension is building up towards and it's so awesome just to see him unload on these mutants i feel like it's uh, i feel like it's wh- the beginning
0: of when you start seeing heroes getting injured where finger this was the moment of fingers get cut off hostile did it yes where a hero gets you know two or three of his fingers cut off with a chainsaw and this one our hero gets two of his fingers cut off with an axe So we want to put them Mm -hmm. in danger. We want to show that these people can actually be hurt. And their stakes in it. They're not going to come out unscathed or just with a cut on the side. They're going to lose a limb. They actually have to give something up in this. This was part of the beginning of that trend that went through the mid to late 2000s where, you know, you start. It was basically fingers are what people started losing in general. That seemed to be yeah. that seemed to be the big
1: thing of oh yeah they can lose they can lose fingers it's mm-hmm. cool or big stabs to the foot so let's say something like that uh, th- that's another one where you're just like okay like we can move from that uh, <laughs> but ag- but again I think the uh, it's it's so good because you'd like to think that this is a or at least w- me coming into this. I was expecting something that would have ultimately just been, like, something like Saw. Like, kind of needless. It almost
0: it almost gets to that point, though, in the beginning, right? So we don't know what we're... Right. We know that... Anybody who knows Hills Have Eyes and early Wes Craven films, and films from the 70s that are exploitation, it usually is some sort of rape-revenge thriller. This is no different. It's not as extreme or graphic as the original and it's not as extreme or graphic as last house on the left, which is, which is good. Um, Mm -hmm, yeah, it's still, you know, it's one of those things with these films that it's hard. So I like to show people horror films and stuff on a regular basis. It kind of makes it a little hard sometimes with these scenes and films, especially when it becomes like a crux of it this time, you know, in this one in particular, it wasn't as extreme as they usually go though. Uh, that being said, once we get into the kill kills from there, whoa! First off, the gas station attendant who seems like he might be the dad of some of the characters, mm-hmm. because someone even says "dad" and "father" to him when he's yeah when he's like moving. And it's that weird there. like
1: it's that weird twisted relationship that like mm-hmm. these hillbillies would have. Uh, that that's very like unsettling. But I still like I like that idea of just like this family or cult like out of time right and just hidden away it's such a, it's such a perfect premise uh and then bringing brought into these early 2000s sentiment of you know grit uh and all of that stuff it's it, i don't know it ups it ups the ante from what you would think a typical 70s fair mm-hmm. horror film would be because the concept is there that the concept is perfectly novel
0: concept yeah the concept is exactly what you would expect it to be The concept totally works for what it is now this you know in the beginning when we when we get our first major we get some kills right away where we see uh the mutants killing uh, some scientists who are testing the radiation which by the way Uh, It didn't matter if everyone survived this movie. Everyone's already dead, right? They're testing everything, so the radiation is still there. They shouldn't be there. We know it's a bad place to be. That baby, that baby's already dead. Baby Catherine's as good as dead. She's got cancer. She's now got tumors. She's going to become one of them or something. That is too much radiation for people to be around, especially when they're wearing those suits. Even if our characters who survive make it through and make it home, they they all have weird diseases now. Their genetics are messed oh, yeah. up permanently. Like, they're, this is yeah, not a happy movie any way you look at it. The second they get there and go through the fence, they're as good as dead no matter what they mm-hmm. could have all just gotten through and everything would have been okay but 20 years down the road you'd find out that they all got something from going through that radioactive place yeah
1: they'll ha- they'll have some sort of cancer that- yeah that which is have. which
0: is horrifying even thinking of it like that that there's so many holes in the plot even on on that aspect not holes in the plot really but as far as it's a survival thing eh, is it really None of you guys are really going to... You, you can live maybe for a while, but who knows what it's doing to you. And we haven't even gotten to the gore. That's that's the crazy stuff. Then we get to the gas uh, station attendant who uh, blows his face off with a shotgun. And they hold on that shot. They hold on that. You see it all. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. insane. The re- and then you know, you realize at this point, oh, shit. If if they're going that intense just off of that kill, what are, what are we getting ourselves into? And Big Bob, he finds out. He finds out good. Uh, Papa Jupiter does not like him very much. And I thought originally he had just smashed his head up against a windshield. windshield. And I was like, that's it. All right. Nope.
1: <laughs> nope. Not at all. He makes for a really nope. good distraction. It's a, a, yeah, and that's a from that moment you're just like, oh, this movie's like different. Well, this movie's this
0: movie is smart in a in a weird way. They're not just mindless freaks killing people. They have an agenda. They have a plan. It might not be the best plan, but it's
1: a it's a plan. Yeah, they're sentient. They're like they're they're conniving in a way, right. To get them, you know, like to have their way. <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. it's a really really well executed premise for the sake of those characters because any a lesser movie would have just made them like dumb horrible monsters that were just kind of mindless and they make it like it's more or less it may as well be a zombie movie where you're just trying to get out right uh but there is a there's a bigger thing at play there for these people i i understand how they
0: survive it all makes sense now all of it makes Mm -hmm. sense on how they've made it for so long each each mutant is very different each mutant is unique in their look and how they move around and that would also mean in their intelligence levels And it's proven throughout. Ruby is quiet, but she's super crafty, and she doesn't want to be in this. She knows that there is a moral compass, and she doesn't want to be... And there's something wrong with this. Exactly. You have Lizard, who to me is almost the most brutal of all, if not Papa Jupiter, who... I love Billy Drago, but he's barely in this film as Papa Jupiter. You see him in the beginning, and then... You see him get blown up. Now, I do like the fact that he survives getting blown up and is still laughing maniacally, like, this is okay, until Mm -hmm. Emily de Raven puts a a pickaxe or whatever into his skull. And
1: then, you know, he's not alive anymore. Yeah, it's. (laughs) He's very much not alive. Uh, And again, like, the the way that that ending executed everything, uh, I think, was great because. Yeah it's a it's a perfect sort of send-off for like all of that final conflict and then the final shot being that like again very 70s that like ultra wide uh tight shot and then to like zoom out through the binocular like lenses and then it's then you're like oh who's watching and uh that's it's a perfect ending to a like that like 70s types of ending where it's like oh but wait there could be more and don't ever watch the sequel because that'll just ruin it. Uh, but it's a, it's a great little like, you know, cliffhangery type of thing to end on, which, you know, I respect it because like, regardless of whether or not like they get out, that conflict has finished. Yeah. And there could, be, there is the Hills will always have eyes, quote unquote. So it's, it's pretty poetic. And yeah, they're, they get revenge. People actually
0: can fight back against the mutants. The mutants can be killed. The mutants are not unstoppable killing machines. We didn't have a bunch of extraneous fodder. You do kind of in the beginning with those scientists who get killed off. But then the struggle mm-hmm. is very simple. Family versus mutants. Exactly. That's that's what you're looking at. And it did really well. So this came out in March 12th of 2006 off a $15 million budget. Uh, its opening weekend, it made about $15.5 million. And its total U.S. gross was around $42 million its total worldwide gross was 70 million
1: it had this a regular a it had a
0: regular <laughs> r rated cut and this was around the time where the unrated cuts were really popular as well the unrated cut mm-hmm. actually has more gore in it, it, it it's, it's surprisingly it's, so it is one of those few unrated cuts that actually lives up to the hype
1: I, I was fascinated because i opted in for the unrated cut oh, yeah. uh, only because i had done some research on like the actual differences i'm just like oh it's just more of the same and to know what they cut i'm just like yeah this is exactly how even a, an unrated cut should be it's just yes. more of the gruesome stuff and that's really it like it didn't really cut major scenes it mm. didn't like expand needlessly on some other ones it's not just deleted scenes right that right. Need nothing it's just like more gore and more a couple of a couple more, of frames here, effects.
0: a couple of frames there. The thing that got me was Ted Levine when he's burning on that on that uh cross.
1: Oh God, and he's writhing. And the, like, the eyes go so... the
0: eyes go white because the heat just cooks mm-hmm. it off. That that Jesus. was one of those things that they cut on that and cut it yeah. down. It makes that scene that much more brutal. It is absolutely horrifying. And then you realize how long he's burning for. He is on yeah, fire. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very, very long time. Doug <laughs> keeps trying to put him out, and he, to no avail. We know he's gone. No, yeah. But it is... Yeah, I... It is absolutely... It's that needless
1: thing where it's just like, he's yeah. already dead, man. Like, just give it up.
0: Well, and then, you know, to have Kathleen Quinlan just lose her husband and then walk in to see the daughter, like, her daughter, one daughter being raped and the other one a gun it's, to her yeah, head. Yeah, it's...
1: It's
0: In a, in it's a some very messed up position... And then she, I, I love that her first thing is, I'm just going to I'm not scream or freak out, but attack. Unfortunately, that doesn't go well for her as she gets shot and mm-hmm. launched across that RV. Um, The other thing in this is that people don't die right away. It definitely makes these deaths more hard hitting. Kathleen Quinlan doesn't die right away. She gets shot and it takes time. And then the body isn't just there, later gets stolen and her heart is ripped out by papa jupiter who's eating it it's very it's uh, very
1: messed up and very dark it's very insult to injury it's very mean-spirited the way their brutality but the movie doesn't feel mean-spirited it's just more gruesome like i don't feel bad watching it i think it's just more of like this is a yes uh like a, a gruesome exercise like i didn't feel bad seeing the movie if that makes sense no it didn't turn me off no i get that the bad things that we're seeing
0: well and then vanessa shaw when she gets shot in the head i mean that's brutal Mm -hmm, and they they showed more of that in the unrated cut of of how the the back of it's splattering everywhere and you think well she's she's gone nope there's a death throw for like a second or two when doug Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. doug finds her and she has this last gasp for air, and then just dies. And it's it, that to me was a very horrifying moment. Even though that might not be something that really happens, it added a feel. It added realism to me for it for some reason.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I would I would completely agree because I definitely felt like this was a like dire situation that <laughs> these people had been gotten into, and uh, I was uh, kind of captivated only because like it's such a good w- method of like survival mechanics uh for like a movie like it's not just okay we need to band together and survive we're like we've been doing that it's more like we need to actually kind of outwit these people (laughs) because it's so uh gruesome so we need to outmatch their brutality with our own and digging deep to find that is uh it's it's a pretty you can see that on the frame absolutely you can um i i'm i was thoroughly impressed because this was uh i was not expecting this to be something that stood out from those mid-2000s films that were just you know gr- gritty for gritty's sake and uh th- this has thoroughly impressed me i uh this is a recommend for sure yeah this is
0: absolutely a recommend this is definitely in the upper echelon of remakes if you have and it'll
1: sneak, it'll sneak up on you because because yeah. don't write this off because I certainly did because I'm just like oh it's just another one of those, and it, like we had some gems back in the day this is one of them, yeah this is
0: this is a very very solid uh, remake it was Alex Aja at his best uh, I heard Crawl is good so hopefully that's a return to form uh, I would like mm-hmm. I will see that soon and and you know hopefully. He and we'll me. definitely
1: be talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but yeah, I think that's going to, I think that covers it for us as far as Hillside Eyes go. We don't mm-hmm. want to go into too much of every little detail that happened in it because if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. Um, and if you oh, have yeah, seen it, it, you know, message us about it talk to us about it tell us like you know what's your favorite scene from it all that type of stuff
1: uh but yeah that'll do it for us um rob why don't you uh tell us where we can be found on the internet well you can find us at oh the you can also find
0: us pretty much on any platform where you get your podcasts so itunes libsyn iheart radio app any of those things we are there at oh the horror and at o oh, the horror Exactly.
1: And so what are we going to be looking at next week, Rob? Well, I've been
0: thinking about this, and I kind of want us to look at something that not a lot of people have seen, but they should see. And that movie is Wormwood, Road of the Dead.
1: Okay. that's uh, I, I, have, I have no idea what that is. thats is. I'm literally needing to Google this right now. This is interesting. Wormwood. Okay. If, uh, if you any any
0: brief if, synapse? If uh, Mad Max met the zombie apocalypse and they use the methane from the zombies to fuel cars
1: interesting yeah okay. it's
0: it's crazy that's part of it this guy's sister gets kidnapped by these scientists and he's trying to get her back but there's zombies this was made over the course of about four years on weekends in the same way the bad taste was but the quality is through the roof it is amazing i highly recommend it um, so everyone needs to see that ahead of time, uh, but that is okay yeah, then. that's what
1: we'll be talking about. I I look forward to this. This is interesting. Not not knowing at all what I'm getting into. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here at Oh the Horror. Until next time, I'm Steve Allman. and I'm Rob Holmes, and we'll see you next time. Horror. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you.
0: Ah, it is time to keep your appointment. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.